Oh, yes. I've got a very deep click. I'm James. And I'm Stephen. And you're listening to The Big Gay Bucket List. Every show we'll be talking about one of the perils or pleasures of growing up gay in Dublin. James, what's on the bucket list today? Well, today we're going to be talking about most gay people don't grow up in an obvious group of gay friends and taking those first steps into the scene can be quite lonely and daunting. So today we're going to be talking about getting into the gay scene. Okay, but before all that, let's stick the kettle on for the Cross Ketchup. So James, tell us what have you been up to the past week? I have a very strange experience. Something that I've done before and it happened last weekend and I found myself kind of wondering where the hell does this impulse come from so I was out for a couple of drinks maybe I had more than was good for me and I might have been a little bit tipsy okay and I left the pub and decided that I wanted to get myself um something to eat on the way home and I went something into to something to eat something to eat yeah. I went into to uh, Defontaine's to pizza place around uh, around Parliament Street and when I went up to order I was like I'm quite hungry and also quite drunk so I, I want to get two slices of pizza but I was like, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a bigger, fuller figured gentleman. So I, I, I do sometimes when I'm buying food off people, I think like they're going to be in their mind thinking, oh, well, yeah, of course you're, <laughs> of course you're, <laughs> look at you there. Weird thing. I know yeah, it's hard. I so that. I decided the best thing to do was so that it, I looked like I wasn't a glutton <laughs> getting two slices of pizza. I would order four slices of pizza <laughs> and pretend I was having a party back at my house. I've also done that. Or I've bought... So, load of snacks myself and bought two bottles of coke yeah exactly so it looks, so like, it looks like it's a, yeah. but yeah so I, uh, I I bought my four my four slices and then I walked home and I've actually got a series of photographs we might put a few of them up the Instagram of me like walking home like like proper kind of waiter style with the, the <laughs> box test trolley <laughs> pizza for you sir um, and when I got home I ate I ate half of one and then passed out and woke up the following morning with like, <laughs> like with three slices of pizza spread around spread around the bed and I thought to myself this is fucking terrible because I'd actually in the past done something similar where I used to live beside a bun shop and every Saturday I'd go in a bun and a, a bun eh? I'd have a bun and I would end up buying two buns because I wouldn't want the baker to think that I was just <laughs> buying a bun for myself I'll have a baker's dozen please <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I need I need to try and correct that behaviour because if I if I don't want to be a fuller figure man for the rest of my life, I probably can't be going around buying multiple slices of pizza when I don't really want yeah, them. But what we do when we drunk does it count? It does count sometimes, doesn't no, it? No, it doesn't. Does it not? Well, so that I means all those none of those that means those eight tunes that have never count. Never. Okay. Is it even a real place? Is it even a real place? Who knows? Is it ever open no, during the day? So what were you up to this week? So I'm actually just back from a lovely holiday in Spain. Um, so one of my sister's best friends got married over there. Um, Where about others? So it was in Alicante's the province, but it was in a little place called Mercia. Um, mm-hmm. I think Sound Guy Martin knows the area quite well. Um, it's it's one of them things, I suppose. I was a bit nervous about the whole wedding in Spain thing because generally you hear people are doing it because they want to save money. Yeah. And they don't want people to go. Um, but the total opposite, it was probably the most beautiful day. There was about 120 there. Um, so they got That's married. Gorgeous, they got married in this like uh, finca out in the countryside. Um and it was just absolutely stunning. And how did the, what did the bride's dress look like? Oh, she was gorgeous. Yeah. She is stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Um, even the food, but the food they laid on for the day was just nothing you would ever get at an Irish yeah. wedding. Um, everyone had fillet steak and there was champagne all day. All drink paid for. It was just absolutely beautiful. 
really enjoyed it. But I made a holiday out of it. Yeah. But um, never go on a holiday with your parents. <laughs> Definitely not. Never again. No. Uh, did you find there was a lot of? Oh, just a lot of conflict. Like, not not conflict. I I don't mind mammy mammyish things. Um, I think it's quite endearing when they try and look after you still, but after the third or fourth day it's just like okay leave me alone I'm an independent strong woman I can do my own <laughs> yeah. thing yeah either that like, either you, you need to get away from to have your independence or you revert back to complete teenage and then even my, my dad was sort of my dad was he was doing the daddy thing too and it just it just became a bit strange I felt like I was a, a 10 year old on a holiday in Mosme it just didn't feel good <laughs> didn't make me feel didn't make me feel nice and then I felt I had to sort of like watch my drink and Sort of stuff like that. I just couldn't get as lit as I would usually. <laughs> but it was gorgeous. Now I have to say, beautiful, beautiful weather. wedding. Beautiful Never go on holidays wedding. with your parents. Never do. Only it. order an appropriate amount of pizza. Uh, yeah. catch up done. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, James, so we're on to our main topic of the week, getting onto the gay scene. So tell us your experience. My experience. Of getting yourself out um, I So I came out when I was quite young. I think I was I was about 17. Uh, I was about 16 when I came to terms with it in my own head, and I was about 17 when I actually came out. But I, I waited until I, I went up to college. So my first experience of actually going into the, making the first sort of forays into the gay scene was um, was when I started in college and I joined the LGBT society. And I would have been quite reserved and sort of, I, I wouldn't like to push myself too forward because I didn't want to kind of feel like I was Who is sort this of... James? I know that, that, that he doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> this like I'm reserved, funny. this reserved James has, has, has definitely died a death. But I, I remember I joined the LGBT society and it just felt like it was just this collection of, of sort of weirdos and sort of, I had this like real moment of like, I don't want this to be my life. So it took me a really long time to actually get settled and make actual friends whose company I enjoyed. And I, I found, I suppose, I found it quite difficult. And then sort of because I was having it, because I was having sort of anxieties around kind of like, you know, not wanting to push myself too much or feeling like, well, maybe I shouldn't be here. I, I, uh, I kind of stayed a bit back for for quite a long time. And it was only sort of in my sort of later 20s where I actually started making... Uh, actually started making friends and actually started like building a sort of a bit of community around it and speaking of the society itself did it make you question yourself then did it make you feel oh god have i made the right decisions and have is this the path i want to take because obviously a lot of people can go crazy they can go straight into the scene and then get really really yeah. um get really nervous about it and completely take a step back for a, a couple of years from like from being involved in the, so the society it, it was just it was run by some quite socially awkward people and so the events that were being organized would always be sort of like organized quite sort of aggressively or something i couldn't quite put my fingers like i remember we would do coffee mornings and it was like the the committee that were organizing. So I was on the committee that would have been organizing it, and the people who were on the committee with me would kind of be like stood in a corner, just like chatting among themselves. And like new people would be kind of wandering into the room and would be sort of like, "Ooh, where this is like." And so I'd corner. be I'd be making a big effort to kind of go over and talk to them. But then you know, it, it was 
it, it felt like as if the people who were organizing on the committee like they, they got really involved like like when all thick committee things so people get bogged down in stupid politics and forget what the whole thing about is about because i do think that in terms of college societies the lgbt society is incredibly important because it is that first place for a lot of people where they're going to go yeah, to like meet people place. and it really needs to be um it really needs to be something that's seen as quite transient like you need a committee that's going to hold it together but it ultimately needs to be something where people can go at the very beginning of their time in college meet a few friends in order to like move themselves, themselves in yeah to yeah. the to the scene make friends and actually find like a place for themselves and i think the problem was that the the committee and the group that, that i was with was sort of like they were like no this is our social circle this is our this is this the is way we socialize this so this is this is years. yeah so like there wasn't really a sense of welcoming new people because new people were seen as people like who were transient or only wanted to use it for something and what they wanted to use it for i think was how it should be used yeah absolutely. because i remember even like i, I like i did get even though like it maybe didn't facilitate me getting as embedded in the community as I would have liked, one of the like real um, one of the real highlights of um, of it for me was from, from being involved in the committee on at, in the LGBT society was that you actually saw you actually would see people like coming along to coffee mornings and they might get chatting and then like a couple of weeks later like I remember I saw there's one particular time I remember there's a couple of people that I sort of introduced at a coffee morning and then a few weeks later I saw them like in the restaurant in UCD having lunch together and it actually was this moment of like oh that's really nice like that's that's what that's the what society should be yeah. rather than kind of becoming this sort of like owner saying that you had to be involved in it if you didn't go to all the meetings or all the events or all this stuff like that you you were kind of die of plague yeah exactly yeah. Um, but do you, do you think I suppose and I, I hate to you know me I hate to refer to the fact that you're an older gentleman um, older than I am but do you think a society 35 is hardly <laughs> an older gentleman but do you not think obviously Ireland was a different time when you went to college no do I, do I, I don't think so thing? no I do think it was quite I do think it was it was like the society itself was quite similar I think it was to do with the sort of people who gravitate towards maybe that environment but that's a good thing I'm glad to hear um, that that it wasn't actually just the way things were yeah but I mean like to be, to be fair though as well like I do think that I you know, I, I didn't uh, make a huge effort to sort of get to know different people in the society maybe as well as I should have. And I remember like there's, there's this thing that happens every year. It still happens to this day. It's called pink training. So every, the, the beginning or kind of towards, in the first semester of each uh, of each college year, there's a, a big kind of multi-university uh, sort of gay event held somewhere around the country. I think it's, it was in Galway, Belfast, Cork, you know, whatever. And this, like, a huge group of, you know, like, 150 people or whatever will come from all over the country. And, like, it sort of serves to educate people around kind of, like, safe sex and sort of, you know, personal care. But then also there's a huge social aspect to it. And I remember, because I have those sort of, I had those sort of social anxieties at the time, I didn't allow myself get involved in the social side of it too much. So I kind of went and I stayed in the sort of, like... Oh, I'm going to deliver, like, I'm going to talk, go to the lectures about different things, but then, like, I'm going to go home to bed in the hostel at, like, nine o'clock and Not get woken up by sense. lesbians having sex in the middle of the night. Ooh, yeah, I remember, I remember that. I, I mean, it was one of the, like, sadder times in my life. I was, like, lying at, after coming home early from the, the, the night out. I got woken up by two lesbians, like, going at it in the bunk underneath oh, me. God. And, they, like, I actually, they were saying, like, one of them was trying to convince the other one to, like, keep going. She's like, no, no, it's okay. He's asleep. He's asleep. Oh, and God. I was like, I'm not asleep. I'm not asleep. What you've described to me is exactly what I think of the Gale Talk. That's exactly how I, I imagine it is. It was quite Gale Talk. Yeah, lesbians uh, licking <laughs> each other out and poor gays asleep in the bunk. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you you had quite a different too. experience though, because you you stayed sort of out of the scene. Yeah, so I suppose consciously, I I just I had been um, so I didn't come out till I was twenty four, but obviously I knew at eighteen and I had friends and all had knew um, had known that I I was gay, but I I suppose I made a conscious decision not to infiltrate it. Um, I don't know why at the time I didn't. I just basically I used to use it as a night out and a fabulous night out. So once every six months I would come up and I would do a night in Dublin um, with, with either my straight friends or one or two people yeah. that I was seeing at the time. Um, and I'd make it this massive spectacle and I'd make it this thing that was um, almost something that was on a pillar that I, I looked at and thought yeah. was fantastic but didn't want to be a part of. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't I, infiltrate I think it. It's, I, think it's, no, I think it's more, well, it's similar in, in a way to kind of what I was saying though. It's that sort of this idea that it is this impenetrable entity and when you're on the outside of it it seems like this it seems like this massive thing I think it's because it feels like a whole thing you don't realise when you're kind of initially making inroads into it that actually it's just a lot of groups of different people and you make I think that you maybe put more weight into the idea that you're making friends in this area or you're going out in this area or that you're um, you know you're sort well, of I trying to become to part me, of it like being the country bumpkin from Wicklow um, I the scene to me was the George it was nothing yeah. else I didn't see anything else off that so when I used to go I used to think that that's what it was and to me I suppose it, it also it, it felt quite it was still quite hidden and it was obviously it was a safe place for gays but it felt like you had to it felt like you had to kind of watch yourself going in there um, yeah. and I suppose that's probably why I didn't like infiltrating it it felt wrong um, and it felt like I was oh does it feel kind of seedy or like sort of like you were going into seedy. an underworld I, well I suppose yeah if, yeah if you're using that as, as a word yeah I suppose it would be to describe it um, now obviously when you're there like I've been my first ever kiss with a guy out, out of the normal confines of you know sleeping with people in your cars as you do as an 18 year old so that was a fantastic moment um, yeah but yeah, I suppose I made the conscious decision I was still living in Wicklow and I just didn't... I used to dabble in it, but uh, I, I kind of kept it as this yeah. as this spectacle rather than... But I, I think that for, for a long time, you 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 probably look at um, the gay scene as sort of... When, when you're maybe when you're younger, when you're more focused on hooking up, like you look at it as kind of just a vehicle for that. But then as you kind of get a bit older, you kind of are more looking for that sense of community yeah, and that absolutely. sense of kind of like a, a place where you're not even a place for your belonging, but like a, a place where um, you're going to build like a life with friends and, and sort of a, 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 like a proper fulfilled life rather than just something that you kind of like jump into the George on a Saturday evening and like hook up with someone and then sort of, you know, disappear you off. See, I'd never, I never used it as, as, a, as a hookup method at all. Um, I suppose I was quite naive too. So like anyone... I always felt like I was sort of the, the country bumpkin and I wasn't. Dublin people to me seemed like everything had moved faster for them and they were a hell of a lot more comfortable with themselves. So I just felt... Well, we are. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, well, knowing what I know now, I know that's absolute bullshit. But yeah. at the time, I, I felt it was impenetrable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I suppose... Like, and that's actually... That's interesting because we both had sort of a similar experience in terms of... Uh, we felt like we were kind of on the outside moving in, which is possibly something to do about our sort of personalities. Uh, even though I had like pushed myself from like the very early age, I had, I, you know, when I, when I first went to college, I'd gotten involved in the LGBT society. I'd become involved in different events and stuff. I never quite felt like I had sort of found my tribe, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, until sort of in my mid twenties, uh, when I sort of made an active decision to start going, like I actively made the decision. I remember one particular, there was one particular New Year's, 
I was uh, it was oh god like how many years ago it was but I remember I, I was living in Temple Bar and there was this huge party going on down at College Green and I could hear the like the fireworks and the music and stuff going on and I had made the decision not to go out that night because I was doing this whole like new year new me I'm gonna go to the gym in the morning and start without a hangover and I remember like lying in bed at like sort of like half one in the morning because like obviously living in Temple Bar on New Year's Eve you weren't getting any fucking sleep that night mm-hmm. um, the place was absolutely manic but I remember like lying there and just sort of thinking to myself oh my god I'm like whatever I would have been like in my late 20s and I'm sort of here I have like no like I've, I've no place in the gay community like all my straight girlfriends are like you know getting into serious relationships or starting mm-hmm. to get married I was like where, where am I going to be going and I, I remember making the resolution that year that I was actually going to push myself out and I was going to start trying to actively make friends and I stopped I think I took some of the power out of um the idea that sort of you know there was some sort of magic key or there was some sort of magic spell you could say that would suddenly allow you into it yeah and so the following year that I made a, a huge effort to actually meet people and sort of instead of just seeing the sort of like the apps and stuff as a way of like meeting people for hookups I kind of like if I met someone and I actually liked their company I was like oh we should like you know we should be friends and that's in how I ended up kind of making quite a few friends, friends. From and then those friends turn into real friendships and then you meet other people through it and then you get involved in and I, I do think the best way of, of getting involved in something is to actually get involved in like get involved in clubs get involved in societies you know it's it's for the gay community it's not necessarily a natural thing you aren't going to like meet people in school or in college sort of just normally the way most people make friends so you do probably have to go slightly a bit more yeah, absolutely full on. yeah you'd have to put yourself um, in um, no, I mean, it's similar to me. So, like, I, I, all my friends at the time were settling down. They were having kids. They were getting married. So, I actively made the decision. I was like, I'm not being left here. I'm not going to be the only yeah. gay in this village. I have to leave. And I have to yeah. I have to do something about it. So, um, somebody I knew was obviously part of the Emerald Warriors, the rugby team. Um, so, I went along to one of their open days. Yeah. And, I mean, God, what I've got from that is just... It's fantastic. It's, yeah. it, was my, it was my outlet into the gay scene. Yeah. Um, and obviously, that's exactly where me and you met. Yeah. Um, and our best friends ever since. Yay! Uh, but no, I, I do think that... It, it is interesting, though, because I think you get, like, a very... Um, like, you get a good vibe or a good click from, from, from something. And I would say that... Uh, so, I... Some of my friends joined the, the Warriors a couple of years ago. And I did go along to a training session. But I don't have the competitive nature in me. So, it like, was sort of very clearly not for me from the, from the get-go. But through just being involved in it, it's such an open group of people who do actually want to make friends. I've been involved in other things not naming any names which <laughs> were much less open and where there is more of a there is more of a sense that kind of you know people don't want to be friends or people don't want to or like there's a sense that you're I don't know they, they um, there's almost like a judgmentalness about it well uh, I suppose like and, and they're not open to becoming friends they're not open to, to socialising I felt that about the Warriors though before I joined them so I felt I, I looked at this bunch of people and I thought look at these guys with their clicks and they're going to judge me if yeah. I become part of it. So I, fe- I felt like that. Um, I'm not saying your situation is a little bit different because obviously you had experience, whereas I have the opposite experience that I, I joined uh, the club and it, it completely, it took away any fear that you would have had or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And and what I had in my head was was nothing like it was. It genuinely was like a brotherhood. It's like, it's like a yeah. family. It genuinely yeah. is. Um, and without it, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have lasted in Dublin. I, yeah. I just would have turned on my heels and I would have just ran back to Wicklow. Yeah. And I possibly would be still there sleeping with married men that haven't done anything with their lives. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Like it's, it's. I think once you find, once you once you open the door at Creek, and once you sort of see, oh, this isn't this huge monument that I thought it was. It isn't as stressful as I thought it was. People aren't judgmental. People want me around. Like I think that once you once you realize that, you, you kind of can relax. Absolutely. And you you, you don't. Like I have never to... like for for all my teen years, I didn't have any boyfriends. Um, yeah. And especially like I, I, no gay guys at all. Um, so you definitely like I needed them in my life, and I still do need them. Yeah. There's certain things I, I can't bounce off straight friends. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, actually, now here's an interesting. Do you find with your your girlfriends that they can occasionally get kind of put out by the the time you devote to, or by the sort of the sort of the fact that the esteem or whatever you may hold your kind of like gay group in, or by the fact that there you do set that differential between what you would do and say with them versus what you would do and say with well I suppose in gays. in terms of Dublin itself I don't have too many straight friends anyone yeah. straight friends I've made are, are work through were through work and yeah. we're great friends and we devote a different sort of time yeah all my friends my straight friends from home we have there's like a Wicklow Dublin divide so yeah. no when I go out to Wicklow and we have a proper night out it's yeah. it's something that that we do once every two or three months. It's not yeah. something that we do every weekend, obviously. Um, but when we do it, it's it's a lovely thing and we all just meet up as friends yeah. and we all have different paths that we've went down. And it's nice to catch up and just find where, yeah. where everyone is at the time. Well, no, I do I do find with within my group of, of straight... So, uh, so I would like... have got a... pockets everywhere. <laughs> you are one of them people that are friends everywhere. Well, I have I have like some some sort of straight friends who people that have been friends with since I was a teenager... And there's one or two of them who I, I get this kind of um, snarky impression from sometimes that they're kind of, they feel almost like, you know, they're kind of the dog's dinner now that I've kind of like, you know, I've, I've graduated. As you're saying, I actually do, I, I didn't realise this about myself. And actually I kind of, I wish I had realised about myself when I was back in the LGBT society that I, I actually am the sort of person who can sort of, you know, make friends with people because it would have made things much easier for me and I would have like not had my sort of, you know, seven years of celibacy out in the heterosexual desert <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, or god you know to be honest before the seven years of celibacy the, the the number of years of terrible sexual experiences with awful people from ucd but um but there, there is there is sometimes an idea that uh or i do kind of make make friends like relatively easy and i have lots of little pockets around the place which can be hard to manage sometimes and it, i i don't know i think sometimes the friends who i've had for a longer time feel like i treat them like they're sort of like they're kind of like oh you're always going to be there or whatever you're, you don't need well, to I suppose to there, has, there is an element of that and that's the element of my oldest friends you have to have that yeah that's what so I think that, about it so that like if you don't see them for six months but when you do see them that you're you're completely normal with yeah, them then yeah. I think fine like I just think I, like my life took a massive turn they all went one path that I knew wasn't for me exactly Um, or I never thought like at the time you couldn't marry so yeah. I never thought I was going to get down you know I never thought that that route was for me so I had to make my own route yeah, yeah. and how I done that was getting onto the scene in yeah. Dublin that's yeah. the only way so what advice would you give to someone if you if, if a uh, an anxious 18 year old was was like standing here in front of you um, asking kind of what he should do to to, to get himself to start like making those first steps into the team what advice so I would I would go down the club or society route yeah. and the only reason I'm saying that is because that's the route I chose to yeah. take and it's completely worked out for me yeah um, that's where I've made all of my friends all of my gay friends yeah. have, have been from that yeah I mean God, I remember the day I, I rocked up to the open day and I was yeah. the most anxious person in the world and um and, and when I got there it was fine you find there's other people the same as you yeah. and 
they're coming from the same angle yeah so definitely try and join some sort of club or society yeah and make sure it's right for you if it's not right for you leave it and and try something else no exactly yeah i think well from from the point of view of of actually joining the um the the emerald warriors i think that as well as kind of the social aspect to it there was a huge um the realize doing something that is so massively far out of your comfort zone getting involved in sports when it was something that like was sort of as like a slightly more effeminate gay kid like there, there was never an idea that i would like play sports and like going even just to the couple of training sessions that i did it really made me see myself in a kind of slightly different way because i was like oh look you, you can push yourself to do something so outside of your comfort zone Absolutely. and you can keep doing it and then like it, it sort of it means the next time something comes up that you're a bit anxious about you can think back and be like well i did that I yeah and i can do this now i penetrated it <laughs> for want of a better you haven't answer. penetrated anything in yeah. years <laughs> but no definitely get yourself out there make your friends you won't regret it no absolutely that's what I'd have to say as well and don't worry about measuring up I think that's a big thing people are people worry sometimes that they're being judged by everyone for like kind of not meeting some like standard that they've invented in their head don't worry about that people take you as they are and also people it's your own standard it's your own personal standard but look push past it absolutely you'll, you'll make it So James, tell me this week, what are you coming for or what are you living for? This week, I am coming for bad kissers after the age of 20. I think that it's okay when you're a teenager and you don't know what you're fucking doing and you're in there trying to just wing it. But by the time you get to our age here, at the advanced age of fucking years, you should know what you're fucking doing. Absolutely. I don't don't get bad kissers. No, I don't. I don't understand how... And like, especially... Like, I, I do forgive people when they're younger because you don't know what you're doing. But when you get to... When you get to, to, to your, your 30s, like, you need to... Someone should have stopped you and said, <laughs> no one wants an open mouth pressed against their mouth. No one wants someone licking their face. Nobody wants you sort of, like, grinding your teeth like the predator. Into the, I just don't get it. No. I don't get why they can't... No. Like, obviously, lots of people have different styles of kissing that you adopt to it. But if they're a good kisser, you can adopt to it there. Exactly, vice yeah. versa. But the whole... The whole jabby thing, I don't get. No, I don't. I like that sort of the weird one where people like will just put their entire tongue into your mouth, yeah. like a horrible fucking slug, there. and just leave it there. It's just it's. Or like the, the people that do the breath thing that want to breathe as you. Have you had that? Oh, yeah. Oh Literally. God, that's grotesque. While their tongue is just moving around. I lick your ear with your tongue. Yes. yes. Uh, I've had plenty of wet willies in my day. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, um, I don't know. I totally, I, I'm totally coming for that as well. No, it's awful. It's, it's disgusting. Worst. Yeah, yeah. It is like why? Well, I, I suppose like, I don't know. You can only you can only assume that they have gone through their life not knowing. Do you think they don't like, realize? I think they don't realize. I think people are too polite. To or say. because they're a bad kisser, do they think they're kissing you and thinking you're a bad kisser? That's, well, that's probably always, it. I always yeah. agree for that. And I, I don't know. Like I, I've gotten feedback that I'm a good kisser from more than more than a couple of people, oh, which sorry. makes me think well, that we you know. All kiss each other. Yeah, well, th- that's what I was setting this up for. <laughs> <laughs> so after the episode, guys, we're gonna have an orgy. No, we're definitely. <laughs> we'll not. Instagram live us. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I know I'm definitely a good kisser as well. Definitely. Yeah. But no, I, I think that the worst, the, the worst one though is the um, the tongue and mouth one, and it seems like it's quite prominent. It's oh, just I think she, or the is worse. Uh, yeah, uh-oh. I think the liquor when your mouth is not even near theirs, like so they're like trying to get your tongue out at the same, <laughs> but like out the, like, no, no, no. Okay, boys, stop it. Yeah, so that's it. We're coming for bad kisses after twenty. If you if, if you 
don't know whether you're a bad kisser. You just need to... See, we're part of the problem because we don't tell people. Well, that's true. <laughs> we, are, we are part of the problem. <laughs> we need to actually, at the end of the day, that's say, it, you yeah. know what, you're an asshole. And that's you're it. From now, from now on, I'm going to be scorecards. Scorecards. Kissing yeah. scorecards. Go to kissing school. Like yeah. in the back you of the You don't know if you're a good kisser, but I know you're a bad kisser. Exactly. Well, actually, if, no one's, if no one's ever no one's said to you, yeah. if no one's ever told you you're a good kisser, then you're a bad kisser. So you need to just write that fucking wrong. Because you don't want to end up in a relate. No one wants to end up in a relationship with a bad kisser. It's the worst thing in the world. Oh god, because it's like arguably the most important thing. I think. Yeah, yeah. physically, it absolutely is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Apart from a big kick, big dick. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a nice. What? We're tooting. Oh, we're, yeah, we're tooting kissing. We're tooting, tooting, tooting kissing. kissing. We're booting bad kissing, and we're also tooting big dicks. We, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you coming for what are you living for I am living for the reinvention that is Aperol oh so Aperol spritzes are um, I don't know they're getting like a gin reinvention and I just think they're absolutely delicious they are lovely of a summer evening uh, and because it's summer yeah no, absolutely. it's sort of like a pims it's something, it's something that's really nice and relaxing and chilled out and lovely yeah no I, I can live for, I can live for that can we live for that we can live for it Aperol spritz bad kissers yeah, well I know what I'd rather. Absolutely. Every apple day. Spritz. Bad kisser. <laughs> <laughs> no, I prefer the apple <laughs> On that note of what I've been living for this week, join us next time when we're going to be talking about pre-app hooking up. Uh, but before all that, make sure you give us an old like on Facebook or on Instagram at Big Gay Bucket List or follow us on Twitter at Big Gay Bucket or send us an email to let us know what you think of the show to BigGayBucketList at gmail.com. And there's just enough time to say a massive thank you to Martin, our sound guy. He's been nice and quiet for today. I don't know why. Um, and from all of us here, thanks for listening to the Big Gay, Gay Bucket List. Is there anything you'll be living for or anything that you want to be coming for? <laughs>